Thanks for downloading this podcast from Burghead Free Church in Murray, Scotland. We exist to know Jesus and make Jesus known. Our vision is to grow to be a vibrant all-age church of 100 disciples. Find out more at burgheadfreechurch.org. Well, it's a real pleasure to be with you, at least virtually. Uh, And over the next few weeks, we're going to be going through the book of Jonah. And I wonder, uh, do you like stories? In our family, we love stories. We love adventures of of the heroes, the the good guys versus the bad guys, where, where the good guys come on top and the bad guys get what they deserve. One of uh, my son Ezra's favourite books in the past has been Zach Power. Zach Power, he, he is essentially uh, the boy version of James Bond or, or Jason Bourne. And these type of kind of predictable stories uh, where, where the hero always comes on top. Beth even likes watching these kind of films because she knows that without fail, the good guy will win no matter how difficult or uncertain the ending might be. When we come to the the book of Jonah, the original readers or or listeners, they would have been expecting the same sort of thing. They, They go into the first line. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. And they would start getting excited. The word of the Lord. Here we go, another story about how our God will do great things. And it's about Jonah, son of Amittai. Yes, a story about a prophet, like uh, maybe Elijah or Elisha. I wonder what incredible, insane things God will do through this prophet Jonah. They will be thinking, we are in for a treat. They'll get a comfy seat by the fire, ready to hear this story. But this story, this historical account... Holds, it, holds within it a number of unexpected twists. We'll see that over the next few weeks. And just like the Good Samaritan or the prodigal son parables that Jesus told, the listeners of the day, they would have felt under fire, under fire with the, the challenges and questions aimed seemingly directly at them. For the listeners of the day, And for us, over the next three weeks, as we delve into Jonah, we will be challenged with and faced with some questions. So, strap yourselves in. Hold on, because this could be a bit of a bumpy ride. Well, let's begin by reading Jonah. And we're going to read Jonah 1, 1 to 16 now. Jonah 1, 1 to 16. And make sure you keep your Bibles open because we'll be looking along uh, as we go through. It'd be helpful to look along. Let's read it. Jonah 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But... Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. They threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. 
but below, but, but Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and their lot fell to Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? Where is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then... They cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Let's pray as we look in, begin to look into this chapter. Lord, I ask that you would open our eyes and our ears to see and hear you clearly today. Open our hearts to be transformed more like yours through your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, in this story and in our lives, fear... Fear is a, is a big thing, and, and fear can be caused by all sorts of things, can't it? There are so many ways that people can be fearful, so many things people can be fearful of. I wonder, have you ever looked into the weird and wonderful world of phobias? I'm going to give you a, a little bit of a quiz now uh, and see if you can guess some. So you'll see a, a word up on the screen, and I want you to think about what is this a fear of? So, arachnophobia. Arachnophobia. What is it? It's a fear of spiders. Those creepy crawlies, yes. How about this one? It's relevant today. Bacteriophobia. Bacteriophobia. Well, it's, it's in the name, isn't it? And it's certainly something we've got used to now. We've got the masks, we're washing our hands. Bacteriophobia, fear of bacteria. This one's a bit of a mouthful, uh, literally. Uh, Iraqi buterophobia. If anyone gets this one, well done. Hats off to you. This is a fear of being choked by peanut butter. And it's specifically uh, the fear of getting peanut butter stuck to the roof of your mouth. There you go. Iraqi buterophobia. Uh, it is literally a mouthful. Uh, how about this one? Ornithophobia. Ornithophobia. 
It's the fear of birds. Any bird watchers out there should have had that one. Now, these fears and, and so many others, they can be debilitating. Fear can, can paralyze you in situations. But there is also a good fear. The, the right amount of fear in the right circumstance can be beneficial, even necessary. For example, I think I have a healthy fear of birds. I've got a little bit of ornithophobia. It doesn't paralyze me, but every year in the, in the suburbs of Sydney, there is the dreaded season. It's called bird swooping season. When magpies, they're, they're nesting and defending their young, what they do, they often come down, swoop you if you're on, walking along the way or on your bike, and they try and uh, attack you. So here I am on my ride to church. I do this ride back and forth every day last year and there was a magpie that swoops and it's scary. You hear the foof, foof, and then you hear the of the of their beaks snapping at you. But as I did this ride each day, I took precautions. I didn't want to get swooped. I took precautions and every time I went that way, I did something about it. I was looking out for the bird. Where is it going to attack me from? I ducked when it came for me. If I was probably a bit more sensible, I would have done what lots of other people do, of putting zip ties on my helmet. makes me look like I'm going to be talking to extraterrestrial people, but at least keeps the birds away. For me and for others, this fear led to take particular action, to respond in an appropriate way. So fear can be good, it can be helpful, or you can have an irrational, unhelpful fears. But I think even more dangerous and catastrophic than that is having no fear, not responding in an appropriate, fearful way. When you say that you have a fear, but you don't actually act like it. For example, uh, let's say that I, have, I came to you and said I had a healthy fear of water, of drowning, and then I proceeded to jump into a raging river. You would question my fear and you would probably question my sanity. If I said I had a healthy fear of heights but I proceeded to unicycle on a wire over a canyon with no safety rope, you would question my fear. Healthy fear leads to an appropriate response. And so as we go through Jonah 1, we need to ask ourselves the question. This question, it poses, what does it mean to fear God? And I think we're going to be surprised where we find the answer. So here in verse 1, let's see what it says. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Jonah, he is told by his God to rise up, to go, to call against the city because of the evil there. And the readers of the day, the listeners, would have been thinking, yes, finally these bad guys are going to get what they deserve. God is going to sort them out. You see, at that time, Nineveh was a major city of the Assyrian Empire. And to get a bit of an idea of the atrocities they and the power that they had, uh, combine the horrendous intent of ISIS. 
with the military might of America. That's the picture of Assyria of these days. That's a picture of Nineveh. And they did terrible things against God's people. So here we have Jonah being sent to speak against them. Good, the listeners would be thinking. But, but, verse 3 says, but Jonah the prophet, the, the hero, he runs towards Joppa. Jonah doesn't rise, he does rise, but then he goes down to a port, going to Tarshish. He joins sailors and others who are heading towards Tarshish. Tarshish is that way over the sea. Nineveh is that way over land. Jonah does the complete opposite of what the listeners expect. He does the complete opposite of what God commands. He takes his job, his responsibility with God, and he hurls it down the metaphorical toilet. And did you notice in verse 3, it says that he is seeking to get away from the presence of the Lord. My two-year-old daughter, if, if I asked her, uh, where is God? I reckon she would be able to tell me the answer that he is everywhere. Now, it's kind of hard to run away from someone like that. Yet Jonah tries. He knows better, yet he tries. So while Jonah is trying to throw away his responsibility and his relationship with God, God throws something of his own. God hurls a great wind, a mighty tempest, a storm so big that it threatens to break the ship apart. And the, the sailors, the sailors are the ones who respond to this storm with a healthy fear. They do what they know to do. They cry out to their gods. They begin to hurl the cargo off the ship to make it lighter. And meanwhile, while they are doing this, the ship has done nothing but rock Jonah to sleep. He, you see, has continued his downward path into the belly of the boat. As the captain then goes down, uh, to the belly of the boat, and to get rid of more cargo, presumably, he finds Jonah, Jonah, asleep down there. What are you doing asleep? Arise, get up, do what we are doing, cry out to your God, because maybe your God will take notice and save us from perishing. I guess Jonah must have come up to deck at this time, but notice what we don't see, what we don't hear about. What Jonah does not do, he doesn't pray. Does he have no fear of this storm? Does he have no fear of his God? The sailors, they're weathered sailors. They've known storms before and this is no ordinary storm. They know that someone up there is not happy with someone down here. So they cast lots and the lot points towards Jonah. He's the one at fault. So they, the sailors then hail. They throw down a series of questions at Jonah. Is this storm because of you? What kind of job do you do? Where are you from? What country or people do you belong to? And I wonder what Jonah's going to say. How is he going to explain himself? I find these words so interesting because they are so truthful, so orthodox, 
so theologically accurate. And they're they're right coming from a prophet. Jonah in verse 9 says, I am a Hebrew and I worship, which is fear in the ESV, I worship fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And now the sailors who were afraid of this uncontainable storm have a new, larger fear instilled in them. You worship, you fear Yahweh, the God of heaven, the one who made the land and the sea. What have you done? He's made the sea. Are you crazy trying to run away from the God who made the sea on the sea? They say to him in verse 11, what can we do to stop this storm, to to stop your God's anger? And meanwhile, the waves getting higher, the wind is getting stronger. And Jonah replies like this, pick me up, hurl me into the sea, and then the sea will quiet down for you. I know it's because of me that this tempest has come upon you. Well, it's the logical thing to do, isn't it? This angry storm is because of a God who is angry at Jonah. Get rid of this man, get rid of the anger, get rid of the storm, save our life. But look at verse 13. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. These sailors, they strained with all their might to try and save the life of the one who had put them in this treacherous situation, but to no avail. So they stopped relying and calling out to their false gods and they turned their pleas of mercy to Jonah's God, the real God of heaven who created the land and the sea. Please, Lord, verse 14, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. With this prayer, they pick up Jonah and they hurl him. They throw him into the sea and the angry sea is calmed. Finally, The sailors, their fear has been stepping up a notch after notch. They have reached new heights through this episode and now they have a new peak. The men, it says in verse 16, the men greatly feared the Lord. They had fears of an angry sea that was eclipsed by their fears of an angry God and now it is replaced with an exceedingly great fear of this almighty God who controls even the wind and the waves. And this is a healthy fear. It's a fear of the one who controls nature around them, the one who holds their life in their hands, in his hands. It's, it's a fear of the one who has shown them mercy and not let them perish. So what do they do? They respond within this fear in a righteous way. 16b, it says, they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. They worship the true God. They give him the honour due his name. 
Now, we don't hear any more about the sailors. Their, their job in this episode is done, but the readers would have been left stunned. God has shown mercy and grace, not as they would have expected to the prophet, Jonah, but to the heathen, the, the Gentile sailors who worshipped other gods. And why? Well, it's clear from the passage, the readers would understand why. Because on the one hand, we've got Jonah, the prophet, doing certain things, and the sailors on the other side. Jonah, he disobeyed God. The sailors obeyed God. Jonah slept through the storm sent by God. The sailors feared the storm sent by God. Jonah did not pray. The sailors eventually prayed to God. It's ambiguous whether Jonah sought to save the lives of the sailors or whether he was just simply trying to end his. But for the sailors, we can see certainly they sought to save Jonah's life. Jonah did not display fear or worship of God. He said it, but he didn't display it. Whereas the sailors, they display it. They fear and worship and make vows to God. Jonah, he's run away from God. The sailors sought to be in a relationship with God. This chapter is it's full of irony. And the, the crux of the chapter, what Jonah says with his lips, I fear, I worship the Lord, he actually betrays by his actions. A healthy fear has an, an appropriate response. And the listener's world of understanding, it would have been turned upside down. Jonah is punished. The sailors are shown mercy. Jonah has not feared God rightly. And because the sailors have feared God rightly, they are saved. And in this story, we see so many echoes of stories about Jesus, don't we? But Jonah is like the antithesis of Jesus. Remember the, the story of Jesus on the boat? Jesus asleep on the boat while the disciples feared for their lives as the storm was raging around them. And Jesus arose. And what does he do? He stills the storm with his powerful word. But as we go on in the, the Gospels, the, the real storm, that the disciples and anyone, any disciple of Jesus is saved from, is the storm of God's wrath. His righteous anger against a people who, like Jonah, do not fear or worship him rightly. Whereas we can't know Jonah's motivation for giving up his life, we do know Jesus's. Jesus, unlike Jonah, he was truly obedient and he gave his life as a ransom for many. The sailors here, they show us a rightful response to God, stopping a natural storm on the sea. And we, like the sailors, we need to show a right response to God in order to, to hold back the spiritual storm of his anger against us. We can't do this on our own. We need a saviour. We need someone to sacrifice themselves. 
We do this through repenting, through admitting we have not responded rightly to God and we put our trust in the sacrifice of his son to pay for our sins. But what is this fear? What is this worship going to look like in our lives? How are we going to fear and worship God today? Well, I think there's two ways that we can see here. If if you chase and rely on things in life that are not the true God of heaven, then you need to follow the positive example of the sailors. You need to, to turn to him in fear and worship and vow to follow his ways. Don't put your hope in or don't worship money or success or health or relationships. These things are good gifts of God, but they cannot and they will not satisfy you. Only God who shows his love and mercy through Jesus is the rightful object of your hope and worship. Fear and worship God like the sailors do. Turn from other things, turn from other gods and display your fear and worship in the way that you live. Like my healthy fear of birds, your rightful fear of God should lead you to take particular appropriate action toward him. Say no to ungodliness, but live his ways. So that's the the positive response to echo. But I think also here we have a confronting warning for us to understand today. And this is the warning that the original listeners would have been confronted with. For for anyone who is like Jonah, who, who says with their lips that they fear God, but it's not evident in their life, need to be warned. You see, Jonah was on the inside circle with God. In fact, his job was to be God's mouthpiece. With his lips, he says he fears and worships God, yet his life and his heart in this chapter scream the opposite. If you say that you are one of God's people, Maybe you you follow the routines and rituals of God's people, but your life and your heart say otherwise, you need to beware. Jonah ran from God's presence. In certain circumstances, do you do the same? Or do you seek continually to, to draw near to God? Do you... Spend time listening to him from his word, the Bible. Do you come before him in praise and prayer for your needs and for others? Do you meditate on his beauty and thank him for his mercy? Do you give him the first fruits of your time, your thoughts or, and your money? Or do you give him the scraps, the leftover from building your own security and your own comfort? Do you follow his call on your life to live for him, to spread his name and fame to others? That's drawing close to God, isn't it? And we have been told to go just like Jonah, haven't we? Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18 and 19, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Don't just say you have a rightful fear and worship of God. 
like saying you have a healthy fear of water and jumping into a raging torrent. No, we need to live it out. Let it direct your every word, your every thought, and your every action. Respond in an appropriate way to God today. Fear him, worship him, live for him. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for your display of mercy to these sailors who were far from you. Thank you that you saved them for their right response of fear and worship toward you. And thank you that you offer the same mercy to us through the saving work of Jesus. Father, we repent when we pay lip service to loving and worshipping you and when we go in the opposite direction of what you want. Help us through your spirit draw closer to your presence each day and to live out your will in our lives. Let our lips declare your praises as our lives display your glory. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Please feel free to share this podcast. And if you'd like to be up to date with each week's talk, why not search Burkhead Free Church on your favorite podcast app and hit the subscribe button. For more information, go to burkheadfreechurch.org.